Hey everybody, welcome to episode 213 of the Running Rogue podcast. I'm excited to bring you another interview from Ruth and Jen with members from our Rogue community, inspirational women of all backgrounds. And today I'm excited to introduce you to a current Rogue coach, Emily Kozell is joining the show. And I'll turn it over to Jen for a proper intro of Emily. Here we go. Today's guest is a longtime Rogue athlete uh, and a coach uh, in Austin, Texas. Um, she has had quite an incredible journey, um, but she's also one of the most relatable people you will ever meet. Um, and I think that makes her even more inspiring. So we are very excited to welcome Emily Kozell to the podcast today. And Emily, will you, um, introduce yourself and and tell the squad a little bit about you? Sure. Thanks, Jen. I'm really happy to be here, guys. Um, I was pretty surprised when you emailed me to ask if I wanted to be a part of your podcast because, like you said, uh, some of us don't even know that we are <laughs> doing things that are making people think else. Um, so, guys, I've been running in Austin now for nine years, 10 years. I kind of lose track. I don't really remember <laughs> because I don't think that it's important, like how long you've been running. I think what's important is like you put one foot in front of the other and that's called running. I uh, have been a coach at Rogue now for four years, five years. Again, I forget the dates. I'm just not good with years and remembering that <laughs> stuff. Um, I really enjoy it because I think spending time with newer runners helps me feel really refreshed and renewed about running myself. It gives me such a different perspective instead of just worrying about, am I hitting my paces? Am I doing my workouts and blah, blah, blah. I think it helps me kind of see the bigger picture about like running as a holistic journey and like it being a thing that just makes me feel good. So yeah, kind of where I'm at. What do you do do when you're not running? Um, I work for Dell. I work on a team that does training. I'm not a trainer, but I kind of am a program manager with a team that trains people that sell Dell products, both internally and externally. So I have been work from home for some years, and I really am quite happy um, that my life hasn't changed a great deal for COVID. I mean, I know it's not ideal for a lot of people, but I've been very lucky that my life hasn't changed, except that now I share my office with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) You always shared it with your dog. Now you have to share it with your husband too. Yep. That's right. (laughs) So Emily, I really appreciate you being on the podcast with us today. And, um, I really look forward to catching up and learning um, more about your story. I know some of it, and uh, I ha- want to say that I'm always leave our these type of recordings thinking, "Oh my gosh, I've got to go do this." So it'll probably and most definitely inspire me to start something new. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, could you talk a little bit about your athletic background? Did you grow up playing sports, or how did that factor in your younger years? Yeah, so I was like active as a kid, but I never really played like a ton of sports. I mean, I had an older brother and we would run around the neighborhood when we were like little kids. And then as we got older, um, I didn't really play a ton of stuff. I mean, I swam and played water polo in high school. Um, I wasn't ever very good at it, but it was just something that we did. Like I had other friends that did it. And so that's kind of was just a thing that took up some time. Um, 
and then I stopped doing anything through most of my like 20s. I didn't do very much because um, I was pretty active because I was teaching swing dancing for a living while I was oh. kind of going to school and kind of doing some other things through my 20s. Um, so that's how I eventually moved to Austin, actually, was that I came here to go swing dancing and I knew some people from some dance events and decided that Austin was a nice place and people were friendly and things were cheap. So I moved here <laughs> like 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, so I was pretty active swing dancing because it's a pretty aerobic activity. I mean, it's three minutes at a time, you know, but it's still pretty active. And, you know, you bring extra clothes when you go out dancing most of the time because you end up getting so sweaty and it's like, you don't want to touch somebody else's sweaty clothes. <laughs> uh, um, so that was how I got to Austin and that was sort of my prior activity. And then, and then once I um, worked in kitchens for a little while, because I've had just about every possible job you could imagine. <laughs> I worked in kitchens for a while after I went to culinary school and I liked it. That was pretty active as well. And it just kind of took me away from swing dancing. So I didn't have a ton of time. Um, and it was a nighttime thing and going out swing dancing was kind of at night. So I didn't dance very much anymore, but I was still active and on my feet. And what I ended up finding out was I just wasn't eating great and it was kind of hmm. not good. Um, but then after, um, after a little bit of working in a kitchen, I decided it was time to be an adult and go back and finish my bachelor's degree. And that's when I stopped doing any activities at all. Hmm. So I basically have uh, that time from my mid to late 20s of doing just nothing and studying. And so I gained a lot of weight, but I had prior been, I guess, relatively active. I wasn't running marathons at that point in my life, though. But <laughs> but water polo, swing dancing, are you, like those are pretty intense sports, too. So um, I can't believe I've known you all these years and I didn't know water polo, swing dancing, or culinary school. So already in the first five minutes, I've learned some new things about you. It's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so, so obviously you, you had that time you went back to school and I mean, we all know what that's like, right? Your, your head's down, you've just got to focus. Um, but then at some point you graduated, you'd gone on to your, to your, um, to your role, you know, to your career. And a couple of years ago, you made some really big changes to your training, to your nutrition, to your lifestyle. Um, can you talk a little bit about your metamorphosis? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I joined Rogue in 2011, 2010. I started with the very intro to Rogue program. It was a New Year's uh, resolution and at that time, it wasn't called Couch to 5K. It was called Intro to Rogue. It was quite fun. Um, I met a bunch of really great people. I signed up with a friend who sadly didn't find the same joy out of it that I did. But I joined that program with John Shrupp, and he had told me um, at that time, he was my very first road coach. He said, you know, if you just eat things that you hunt for, that you fish for, that grow in the ground or fall from the sky, uh, you guys will feel awesome and you'll, you know, lose the weight that you want to do and you'll get faster. And, 
And I was pretty skeptical. I was like, no, I can make all those things <laughs> taste really delicious. I don't, I don't think that's going to make me lose the weight because I know that making them taste delicious means butter and that's not, you know, great. And he says, we well, yeah, have a butter doesn't grow in the ground and you don't hunt for it. And I said, okay, fine, fine, fair. <laughs> so he said 80% of the time you do these things and then you have four meals a week that you can eat whatever you wanted. Um, so if you want a tips and queso for one of those four meals, then you can have it. I did that for, I don't know, about a year after I was started with John Shrupp and started with Rogue and subsequently lost like 50 pounds. Um, that was kind of the beginning. And from there, my next group that I ran with was one of my all time favorite groups. Uh, Jen, you probably know the coach, maybe his name is Scooby. He was was one of my other first coaches. That was one of the best groups that I've ever had too. And, you know, the motivation that Scott gave me in that group really like helped me stay involved and helped me become part of the community. And I think that that was one of the biggest pieces to changing the lifestyle was like having this community was really like having these people in your life that are holding you accountable, but also not in a way that makes you feel bad. They're holding you accountable because they care about you and they love you. And they like just want to see you do well and they want to do well themselves. And they know that if we do it together, then, you know, we all get stronger. Um, so that was kind of the big start to like how everything changed for me. I would say that I continued um, that same way and just sort of stayed a part of the community. I had a really active social life uh, through running and replaced happy hours with run happy hours and um, made sure to just make all of my workouts and run all of my miles. And I just had the greatest time. It was this thing that changed my life that made me feel better about myself and made me feel better about my ability to handle more things. Um, And a few years after that, I had another coach who challenged me and said, Brent Stein, actually, he told me, he said, you know, why do you think that you couldn't qualify to run Boston? Because it's a big goal for a whole lot of people and it's pretty fast, I think. Um, And I never thought that that was a possibility for my life. I was just running because it was social and it was fun and I just enjoyed it. And it was healthy. I wasn't going to be super fast. I never cared about being real fast. I just wanted to have a good time. So he challenged me and said, why don't you do that? Why don't you try it for a season and see if you can get faster? And I said, I guess I don't have any reason not to. I mean, it's not like the community is going to change if I try to work a little harder. Um, So then I started working a little bit harder. I went to a nutritionist. I had been seeing Natalie Moose, who is through Health Plus ATX. She's great. Um, And she helped me really get a handle on some more specific sports style nutrition. And I think that made a big difference. And then I started lifting some weights with um, Dane's Body Shop here in town, which is great fun. I love those guys. And those two things made a huge, big difference. And now I'm about a minute and 40 seconds from a BQ. Oh, wow. Which is uh, about a 
hour and a half uh, faster than I ran my first marathon. Wow. Wow. So it just takes a couple years of working real hard, I think. Yeah. And, and that's remarkable, Emily. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. You say those were the things that you changed because those are key elements of the she squad training program too. Um, so, you know, and I, and I could let Ruth talk a little more about this, but Natalie Moose is, is coming on to our community hour with our squad in a, a few weeks. We also have a few of the other, um, nutritionists that we know and love Carly Pollock. Um, gosh, there's one more. I'm, spacing Meredith. on it. Uh, uh, Meredith Terranova. Um, we've got a few, few of the, those people joining us. Strength is a key component of it. And so, yeah, so it's great. I mean, those are the elements that you employed and it worked. I mean, I know on a podcast that our squad can't see you, but we've known Emily for a while. And if you could just see, I mean, she's the picture of fitness. Um, and, and I think really well-balanced fitness. You're not, you know, crazy obsessive. You have fun but you're serious athlete, you know, you're a great mix of both. That's such a nice compliment, Jen. And obviously, I mean, it seems too that um, there definitely had to be something inside of you that, you know, wanted to um, put healthy lifestyle first because you seemed very uh, adaptable to, to sort of the community that sort of replaced the happy hour community. Like, well, that was great. That worked for me then, but now want to be a healthy, live a healthy lifestyle, finding community um, that way. And I think as this is not a question that we prescripted, but I was thinking, you know, you, you have this Dell online community at work. Do you have any advice for uh, our, since we're online and we don't get to see each other except for on Zoom calls, <laughs> like for people on how they can feel that same sense of community or create it for themselves? Like what sort of things should they be doing as an online group to create the community that will allow them to get that same attachment that you found, you know, in your first group, but even really sounds like Scooby or slash Scott really brought Mm -hmm. that out in your second group and was so important. Yeah. You know, like, I think one of the big things is just spending time together. I mean, I know that you guys don't get to see each other all the time, because you guys are a virtual group, but, you know, having the Zoom happy hours and just getting to know each other and, and, you know, likes and dislikes and, oh, you know, you ran this thing. And one of the really weird, fun things that um, me and some friends have done during the start of all of the stay at home orders is that we would have phone call runs. So maybe like Mm. two or three ladies schedule a phone call and um, take some earbuds. And it seems a little weird at first, but it is Mm -hmm. quite fun. It's almost like you're there with your, with your people. Um, It's not, it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of nice. You know, if you're in a different place, this is one way that you can have a little bit of feeling of community. And then afterwards you can finish your run and everybody grab a beer from your fridge and stand around, (laughs) drink your beer and have a chat. It's kind of nice. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I hadn't thought about that. (laughs) I I completely agree. I I do the same thing. And um, and I will say I'm pretty sure that the neighborhood out here thinks I'm insane because (laughs) because I look like I'm talking to myself (laughs) for, you know, five miles. Uh Uh-huh. I I get the same thing. Yeah, but it works. Totally works. We're going to definitely have to suggest that after this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, join us. Yeah, <laughs> pick one or two. I mean, in, yeah. in a lot of ways, it is very similar because 
you know, when you're running, you're not looking at your running partners anyway, you're, mm-hmm. you're looking ahead, right? And so you're right, it is different. I mean, they're not alongside you, you're not meeting them, you don't have that, you know, the, the, the pleasantries that go along with meeting your running partners, but you do still get the therapy session or the, you know, the, the catch up session um, yeah. <laughs> of, running, of running, running together. So, so, and will you talk about this, this takes us, I, I want to start with like, you know, in your running career, um, any of the, the failures along the way, I don't know if it was, you know, when you were training with Shrub or with Scooby or, or with Brent, you've been with Brent for, for quite a while now, you know, were there any failures along the way that you were just like, ah, you know, that, that really got you and that helped fuel your desire to, to do more or to, you know, get your coach to help you to shift your training? Um, you know, it's kind of strange. I think I've been pretty lucky and that I haven't gotten to that point where I've seen anything that's been a huge, big failure, or maybe mm-hmm. I have, and I have been able to like step past it and haven't felt like it. So I don't remember it as being such a big failure. I remember setbacks of like, oh, you know, not getting that time in that race or having really horrible workouts on super long runs where you're just like, how am I going to get through this race? This workout was so flipping bad. And, you know, feeling like beating yourself up about those kinds of things. But yeah, I think the help of the community and the coaching really goes a long, long way in helping um, talk through that and say, like, what was the thing that was bad? And what can you do to fix it for next time? So, I mean, just as an example, um, every year I've run Chicago Marathon six times. And every year that I've run it, Brent has told me probably uh, a week before, oh yeah, this is a really great opportunity. You should try and race this. When always, I've always set my summer plans that Chicago is just a long run. I'm just going because my family's there and it will be fun. But then about a week before, he always springs it on me and says, it's time (laughs) to race. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And I think that some of that's a good idea because then I don't worry about it all summer. Um, but it also can backfire too, if an athlete's not ready, I realize that as well. Um, and so one or two years, definitely I have run and have tried to race and definitely not done as well as I wanted to, for whatever reason, being nutrition is off at that time, or maybe I haven't hit all of my like long workout miles, feeling great about them. Um, so I remember specifically a couple years ago. Brent was like, you need to race Chicago. And I said, um, I guess I, I guess I can do that. So I tried to do it and I could not run any faster, uh, at that time. So I missed the time that I was trying to run by like three minutes, which is in the grand scheme of things, I get it. Not that much, but I was pretty devastated about it. And I called him on the phone and I said, Hey, you know, why? Why did you, why did you tell me to race it and not give me notice? And why did we do that? And he said, because I thought you could handle it. And it's okay that you didn't because it's one race, it's over. And now we know that this wasn't the right way. We have to have a better strategy for next time. And so we did. And the next race, I blew out of the water by like a 20 minute PR. Wow. Wow. 
that is the way to do it. And and I love that even like you don't even identify as failures. You're like, no, I haven't had failures. I've had a few setbacks. Like e- even that is such a great way to approach it. Um, and then to be able to turn it around. Potentially, maybe it's because I'm just crazy and I forget that they're <laughs> actual failures. <laughs> no, I I think it's your positive mindset because people who have a hard time with failure, I'm one of them, like can't forget them. Right. And I, so I I think your approach is a much healthier way of approaching it. So, you know, on the flip side, what is your biggest running success? Like when you're 80 years old and you and Jason are sitting on the front porch and you're rocking chairs, what's, what's (laughs) that running success that, you know, story you're going to be like, remember that time when I did X? So I'm don't think that it's the thing that I did. I think it's that thing that my team did. Um, mm. And that's that community thing, right? So as a, I guess, newer coach, like I've only been coaching for about four or five years here at Rogue, that feels like my biggest success. Like, yes, I can do these things and that's great because there is a big part of my life I know that like by sheer force of will, I can push myself through a bunch of stuff. Um. But I do believe that uh, the biggest success that I've had so far in running has been my ability to coach these folks to see their goals, to be able to do these things that they said they wanted to do and to do them. And just makes me feel so proud of them. That's what makes you a great coach. That that's what makes rogue special. I think is because, because of that, like, it's not about you. It's about, everyone um it's beautiful i'm wondering how do you i guess in in, what's your method then in terms of like i i know that your goal is to help them reach their goals but what kind of things as a coach do you do maybe to figure out what those goals are and then like to tailor it in sort of more of a kind of a less tailored type uh, community since we don't do really individual coaching and we, we do and we don't. So what does that look like if, if we're, I'm one of your athletes? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> I love data. Data is one of my favorite things in the whole world. So I send out a lot of like Google surveys. Tell me how you're feeling about this. Tell me how this workout went. And I, because the other thing that's really nice about the group that I coach is it's relatively small. So I have the ability to spend a little bit more time one-on-one with my athletes, which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do a lot more individual coaching than a lot of coaches at Rogue are able to do because they, I have less athletes. So maybe I have 15. Um, and on any given day, you know, I'll text with a couple of them or this and that. And um maybe once or twice a week, I'll sit down at a one-on-one with a couple of them here or there to kind of help them talk through how they're feeling, what's going on, what races they're thinking about. So in terms of how to help them find their goals, you know, because a lot of them are newer runners, I, I like to start from the beginning and say, here's some suggestions of things that could be goals. And we can work through these and you can decide if any of this works for you or you can not use any of it. But giving them a starting point is usually very helpful for our team. Mm. Um, I say, do you want to run a time goal for a race? Do you want to just complete your first, whatever, half, your first full, your first 10K, whatever? Um, And then I say, do you just want to 
have a feeling of that you feel good at the end of your race, that you don't feel exhausted and beat up and tired? Do you want to stop at every beer stop in your race? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> whatever is your goal, we can help you get there. <laughs> it's just a matter of figuring out what that is. And we, and I think it's starting from, you know, here's, here's a basic piece. And Rogue is really good about providing us coaches with some ideas of places to start from. And then I let my athletes kind of riff on it and we go from there. Hey everybody, Chris checking back in in the middle of this conversation to remind you about my promotion with Care Of. If you go to takecareof.com, then you can save 50% on your first order by using the code ROGUE50. As I've mentioned, Care Of is a personalized vitamin service. They give you daily packs of whatever you need to stay happy and healthy during this winter and holiday season. As I've mentioned before, I use it to get my daily vitamin D supplementation. I've also added other things to my daily packs, including ashwagandha, which aids in recovery, as well as fish oil for heart health. And so I just get those simple, easy packs that I can take daily. So I know exactly what I've taken when. So I'm not forgetting as I had done previously. But yes, what you can do is go to takecareof.com, take the quiz. It'll give you some recommendations based on your goals. And then you can pick and choose from that by looking at the science to figure out what works for you and what you want to include in those daily packs All the ingredients are really transparent, high quality ingredients. They tell you exactly what the science is on everything you're potentially buying, both the pros and the cons. And so it's really easy to sort through the information and make those choices for yourself. So go to takecareof.com, use promo code ROGUE50, that's R-O-G-U-E-5-0, to take 50% off your first order during this holiday season. So go get that done. It's easy and convenient for you and also helps support this podcast and my podcast partners. So again, go to takecareof.com. Use promo code ROGUE50, ROGUE50 for 50% off your first order. All right. With that, as a quick interlude, I'll throw it back to Ruth for this conversation with Emily. Yeah, that's so cool. I think it's amazing. Uh, I mean, that's one of the most amazing parts of coaching is helping someone get, get there. But sometimes people aren't always, um, not everyone has that skill as a person. It's not always in their toolbox to be able to like it, help lay that out for someone. So I'm super impressed because it's not always the easy thing. It's probably why you make a good PM for Dell (laughs) sort of along the same thing. So back to you. So what is your training week look like? And then also just sort of to help this she squad, what kind of self-care type things do you do to, to be able to keep going since you're very, a very consistent runner? Sure. Um, so last two years ago, I got back from a um, about two and a half month stay in Europe because my husband had a sabbatical from work and I can work from anywhere. So we were in Madrid for two and a half months. I took that whole time off. It was one of the best things I could do for me. I ran in, in two of those months, I ran 80 miles total, which (laughs) as most of us here know, that's like a pretty small amount for somebody who is a marathon runner, um, planning to run a fall marathon. So one, I always try to take off time every year. That makes a big difference. And even if that time I'm still running and just kind of jogging and running things that are fun. I don't do any workouts. I don't do any speed. I meet people for like happy hour runs. That's it. Um, I do that for two months. That's like a big part of my self-care that makes me 
um, consistent and able to run through tons of things. And then um, I came back and joined Team Rogue, actually. So I'm just running, I'm running with Team Rogue in the evenings. Right now, Stephen Hemmelein is coaching. And we have two workouts a week. So that's quite a bit. It's two quality workouts plus a Saturday long run plus, you know, whatever other days that I'm running, which, you know, for me, that's quite a bit. So I am always rolling out. Um, I like to roll out for about five minutes before I start running. For me, that works really well. It loosens up my my legs a little bit, but I don't do it for too much, just a little bit. And then I roll out for a longer amount afterwards. Um, in terms of other self-care stuff, uh, I take magnesium and I have found that that is one of the biggest things that makes me feel rested, weirdly. Hmm. Um, magnesium glycinate happens to be more gentle on my stomach. Um, that was something that Natalie told me about and it helped me not have like weird leg cramps when I go to sleep because sometimes I would get those. Otherwise, I don't do a whole lot of other stuff. I mean, I lift weights and I roll out and I take magnesium. <laughs> hey, you got to keep it simple sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I know there's a ton of stuff that I've tried in the past because I've I enjoyed trying these things. Like I was a member of um, Generator Athlete Lab for a little while. Oh yeah, I, I loved it. It was great. They have the infrared sauna. They have the the cold and hot tanks. Um, they have the compression boots. They have all of those things, and it's super fun. And all of it feels really nice. I just, you know, kind of got out of the habit of using it and decided, like, okay, well, I'm not really using it, so I'm not really going to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, we, you talked a little bit about COVID-19 effects. I mean, not too big of effects since you're a remote worker and I am too. So some of these things have all been sort of natural for us to just, well, every, now everyone's staying at home. But as an athlete, and we heard a little bit about the running with friends using the earbuds, but also as a coach. So how, how have has that changed and how have you maintained a a connection as a coach uh, with some of your athletes? Um, so with my athletes, we, when we were all on stay at home orders, we'd been doing once a week on zoom, we would do a workout together. Travis had been doing a strength program for rogue virtual. Uh, I think she squad has access to that as well. Yep, and yep. we would go through and do the workout together on zoom. And oh. we would chat with each other while we were doing it. And then we would hang around for five or 10 minutes afterwards and do a little catch up and see how everybody was doing. So that was one way to, one, make sure everybody was getting in at least one workout a week. That was cross training. And then two, we could see everybody's face. And it was quite mm -hmm. fun. We would suffer through that strength because, you you know, as runners, like lifting <laughs> weights is not, not great. Um, no. But that was one of the, our favorite things. And then... Now that Rogue has figured out a way to be um, together, we're, we don't meet at Rogue anymore. Our team meets offsite every week and we always pick a park and we go to different locations around Austin and we make a huge big circle and that way we can still see each other and kind of run together, but be far enough apart and socially distanced that it's safe enough for us to be around each other. So that's what we're doing now. 
I mean, I'm sure people were dying to get back though, in a sense. I mean, I know I yeah. am. I have like a list of things I got to do as soon as it gets a little bit safer yeah. to, to, to be out there. But yeah, I'm sure yeah. they appreciated it. How about for as an athlete, how has, um, how, what kind of things have you done to adapt um, just to be able to stay motivated? You know, it's funny. At the beginning, I felt unmotivated totally because I was like, oh, ugh, I'm not going to go into any races anymore, this and that. And then once I abandoned the idea of worrying about any races, I felt a thousand times more motivated as an athlete. Hmm. <laughs> I I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to race anyways, but why don't I just like get super fit and be ready to go and just make sure I feel really good? Huh. Has it allowed you maybe to take the time to do some of those extras that you didn't do before? Cause there's not sort of a, a rush to get the miles in or in that way, do you mean, or. I think it's allowed me to get more miles in for that, mm. for that same reason that I haven't, that I don't feel rushed. So like mm. I can run at any time of the day because I'm working from home. I mean, it was like that before, but I guess now that everybody's working from home, I can just cut out for an hour and be like, I'm gonna go around five or six miles. It's cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. And nobody cares. I just schedule myself an hour run meeting. Yeah. And so I have all this time, middle of the day, oh, middle of the morning, whenever. And it's not rushed. It's quite nice. Yeah, that is nice. Love it. So we talk a lot about why we run and, um, you know, getting the she squad to, to tap into that, um, and, and have the power of knowing and articulating their why so that when they are struggling with motivation or when it does come race time, right. That they have that to help fuel them. Can you share your why and, and what motivates you? So I feel like I go back and forth on this. I feel like sometimes I have always had the same why in my life. And that's been to prove to myself that I can do these things that I never thought that I could do, which is a pretty reasonable, valid thing. But then I go back and forth and say, but am I really, is that really why? And sometimes I'm not sure if I'm doing it because I'm trying to prove something to myself or if I'm just honestly trying to prove something to like other people who I think had thought in my life that I couldn't do whatever X, Y, Z. And I'm not really sure. Um, it's, it's a nebulous question to ask the why. And this one's always gets me because this is a, a, a piece of work that I try to go through every year, work on a statement of purpose and a why format. And I think this year right now, my why is to be the best version that I can be of myself. And I think that means that being healthy, um, especially like being healthy, because I think that helps protect me against some, a little bit about, uh, a little bit against COVID and a little bit against some of the other things going on in, you know, in the world at large. And I think being healthy has to do with mental health. And I think that running definitely helps me stay mentally strong because it helps me one stay tough handling some tough workouts when I didn't think I can handle them and then two it gives me sometimes some space to process things out on easy solo runs you know 
Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm also glad to hear other people struggle with the why. Like there are times when I'm feel absolute, you know, I know my why and that's what's fueling me. And, and I've debated this with, with Chris McClung many times because he thinks this is very easy and clear cut. And I just don't think it is. And I think it changes. And, um, and it sounds like you're in one of those periods of time too, right? I think we all are with, with COVID things changed and we had to adjust a little bit and your wife shifted a little bit. Um, Definitely. With that, our, I mean, I know Chicago hasn't officially canceled for this fall. You know, who knows if it's going to happen? Um, are you it probably will for it? I, I, I feel certain it will too, but um, I keep holding out hope, but I don't see any way yeah. I can run a 30,000 person race, you know? But yeah, are you training for anything right now, or you're you're just training to be the best you can be? Uh, so COVID changed a lot of my plans. Uh, <laughs> I originally last weekend was supposed to run Mount Hood. Oh. That didn't happen. Uh, um, in September, I was supposed to run Berlin. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, I wasn't going to run Chicago this year because I had athletes going and um, I was going to run Berlin and then go and kind of be their support in Chicago. Right. Um, so I may not even get to go to that, which would be sad. I have signed up for Houston right now, which is in okay. January. Um, I'm not sure how good that's looking either because that's also a pretty big race. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I have on the books I'm a big planner in terms of data. So I just like to sign up for races. That's the thing. Motivated. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, I signed up for Sky Island 25K awesome. in September once I found out that Berlin got canceled. Sure. Uh, I ran it last year and loved it. And I love Mallory and Jason. I think uh, Spectrum's great. So I want to go out and run that race again. And we'll see. Maybe that one's smaller. So potential, but I have no idea. And I think it's good to not have any ideas. This is the first time in my running career that I don't have like a concrete race that I can say for sure I'm going to go do this. Yeah. So yeah, we'll figure it out. I, I'm like you. I'm a big planner. I mean, you know, you and I both have run all the world majors. and I haven't. You know I haven't. Oh, I thought you'd finished them. I haven't run Boston. Oh, got it. Okay. All right. Well, you're almost there. You're almost there. Um, so close, but, uh, but, but, you know, it takes planning, right? That, that took multiple years of planning in order to, yeah. to be able to get into all of the world majors, to be able to stay healthy enough and make it work. Um, and, and so like you, I'm the same, but you know, it is really freeing to not have that hard and fast plan and know what's around the corner. Um, yeah. I was going to run a marathon in France in mm-hmm. October, and obviously that's not happening. So I don't even think France will let me in right now. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're closed to us, but um, but yeah, so it's pretty crazy. But I also, I'm glad you mentioned Sky Island because um, our, our squad got to meet Mallory Brooks uh, on our last community hour, who obviously heads up um, Spectrum Trail Racing. That is a beautiful race out in the Davis Mountains, West Texas. And so for our listeners who may not know it, that that's why that race is likely to happen, unlike a lot of the big marathons around the country. Yeah, they cap it at, I think, 300. So they might wow. be able to figure out, like, smaller starting corral. Yeah. So we don't know. Um, if you 
she squad if you're listening to this and you get the opportunity to go out to sky island i super recommend it it's beautiful out there yeah it really is and i think mallory and jason also mentioned that they well, they have multiple loops, so they think about sending people in different directions. So you know them. Oh, they're yeah. trying to try to figure out. Yeah. So, I forgot about that. I think, That's a great idea. Oh, oh, no. They're taking a little Barkley Marathon action, throwing it into <laughs> Sky Island. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Don't give them too many ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Though they came up with that themselves. But I do think, I actually think that trail racing and like FKT, so that's fastest known time type events are going to be what's big uh, over the next yeah. year because people are itching to do something. And well, FKTs, you just go out and do it yourself. I mean, I can't imagine that... Um, uh, you know, a lot of the trackers aren't going to be just filled with people, you know, breaking each other's records because at some point we all can't hold back and we got to have some right. competition to right. be happy. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any training advice as an athlete and coach for the She Squad athletes. Um, you know, what what kind of advice would you make sure since, you know, we have all different levels. Sure. Um, so it might be hard to give one type of advice, but what, what are some pieces of wisdom from Emily? Uh, I got two, two of my favorite. One, trust your coach. (laughs) You may not believe them when they tell you uh, to go run this hard flipping workout, but do it. Trust your coach. They're doing it for a reason. They're doing it to help you. And then also trust the power of your team, Um, the power of your community to help get you through those workouts. Know that even though they may not be there next to you, they are supporting you and they are doing the same thing and they're side by side with you in your head and they care about you as much as you care about them. What you put into your training, you will get out tenfold. Great advice. Yes. Really great advice. Um, and this, this is one of those kinds of teams. It's, you know, I mean, we've all coached a lot of teams, but this one's a special team. They are incredibly supportive of each other. Um, just seeing the the interactions in the Facebook Facebook group alone, right? We just sometimes before Ruth and I can even respond, you've got like three or four of them have already answered and supported each other. So it's it's a really really powerful community. So mm-hmm. let's wrap up with a couple of fun questions. If you could pick any person in the world to go on a run with, who would it be? Right now, uh, because of the state of the world and the craziness going on, I honestly, I'd really love to go on a run with with, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Ah, good call. Yes. Wearing masks, I'm sure, but, you know. Yeah. (laughs) Wearing masks, socially distant. I would really love to go on a run with him and just have him talk at me about the epidemic and help me understand it better. And, you know, that kind of thing. I think that would be amazing. And, you know, he is a runner and he was just in Texas. So darn it. There was probably an opportunity last week that we could have made happen. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Too bad. Oh, darn it. He's a little busy right now. Yeah. That well, you know, and you know, if you did that, maybe you could ask, see why he can't convince Trump to wear a mask because that would be really nice if he could. Yeah, totally. I think you might get an eye roll from him on that one. Uh, yeah, and those eye rolls are good though. <laughs> That's like my favorite new meme of him eye rolling in the background of Pence yeah. briefing. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's your dream run destination? Uh, 
Huh. Um, that one's really tough. I've, I've run a lot of places around the world, surprisingly. Not, wow. Okay, not a lot. Let's let's take that back. Let's step that back. I've run some of the world majors in places around the world. Um, so I've run in Tokyo. I've run in Berlin. I've run in London. And then when my husband and I travel, I always make it a point to do like a running tour. You can you can find them all over the world. You can find like different guides that will just take you on like a sightseeing tour early in the morning. You run with your phone and take photos. Um, so I want to run someplace that I have never been. I would really like to go, oh, man, it changes like every day. But right now in this weather, <laughs> I want to go run in some, you know, I want to go run a Chamonix. I haven't been there and, ah. you know, it's the trail running capital of the world. And it just looks so beautiful. Chamonix is one place that I would absolutely love to go run. This is this has been a great conversation. Thank you for, for joining us today. Um, anything that either of you would like to add before we wrap up? Nope. No, I don't think I All have right. anything. Well, no. Emily, we really, really appreciate um, your time, your energy, your inspiration. We're so glad that you're a rogue coach and just, you know, spreading this um, to, to athletes as well. Hopefully she squad, um, you guys will see how her dedication, transformation, her just down to earth personality. I think that's um, part of what makes her so special. We know you'll find inspiration in her journey too. So stay focused and let's go. She squad. There you go. Emily Cozell, everyone, a road coach. I love her story of personal transformation and I love what she contributes to the road community. So thank you. Emily, and thanks, of course, to Jen and Ruth for leading these conversations. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.